Welcome to Inside Texas, powered by InsideTexas.com. My name is LC. I'm new to the team. Uh, you may have seen me a couple times, and we're going to get to know each other as time goes by, so we don't need to have a super long introduction. I will say, though, that uh, what is about to happen is quite possibly a hot mess, and I really hope you enjoy it. Now, Ian, uh, we're just going to start with this is some personal information. We want to congratulate uh, Ian. He's he's going to have to start running his own defense. He's got another kid in the fold. What uh, what flavor kid you got there, Ian? Uh, girl. Girl. Yeah. It's uh, all female squad. Is that correct? No. So no. It actually goes if you include me and my wife. I'm a little older than my wife. It goes boy, oh. girl, boy, girl, boy, girl. Okay, now, good. That was great. Of us. He I did like that, that on purpose. He did. Uh, I asked, I basically just asked for the flavor and it gave me a batting order. So that's good. We're off to a great start, Ian. I'm really excited to be talking to you guys today. This is going to be a little bit more, this is going to be a little bit more loose than usual. We're going to get into a couple topics specifically to do with our 2025 class. We may get into a controversial issue with our, our receivers and also look at some of the potential leadership that we're going to have. But let's start with leaders. Yeah, this will go over to you, Eric. Who do we see moving forward as the potential leaders on this upcoming squad? Well, the big one will be Quinn taking the next step. I think he made some improvements last year, uh, especially during spring ball off season. You know, first of all, he dealt with himself and getting himself uh, in position to become a leader that would be respected team wide. Uh, he accomplished that. Now it's time for him to take the next step, become a little bit more vocal, uh, a little bit more of the rah-rah guy. It's not really his nature, but he started taking those steps throughout the season. Uh, when they become battle-tested, that's when their voice starts to come out. And I think he started to find himself in that regard. Uh, the offense is going to have, you know, Jake Majors and Kelvin Banks on the offensive line. Uh, C.J. Baxter, they're a little young at, at running back, but C.J. Baxter has some good leadership attributes. Wouldn't call Jaden Blue a leader yet, but, um, you know, he's definitely matured in his time. Uh, so really on offense, it's going to be – the question is going to be, does Quinn take the next step? Uh, Jake Majors is continuity there as far as a leader. Kelvin Banks will find his voice a little bit more. And then who's going to be the leader at wide receiver? You know, they, they lost a lot of leadership there. Um, Xavier Worthy was, you know, he was he was hit or miss as a leader, but they respected him because of his effort. The guy always worked. He had that Allen Iverson thing where he had that toughness on the field. Um, wiry, strong guy that everybody knew punched above his weight. He had toughness. And then, of course, Jordan Whittington. Who's going to replace those guys as leaders? Jonte Cook has the leadership intangibles. Uh, but, you know, he, he doesn't really have that experience yet. So I think, I think receiver is going to be important. What does Isaiah Bond bring to the – bring to the room last year ad mitchell came from a champ championship team and, and and put in work i think bond is going to come in through in with a with a similar mindset and then you got gunner helm who's a senior um plenty of time he's not a very vocal guy but um you know he knows what to do he's 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 uh he's a mature player uh, so he can he can kind of su supplant what jatavian sanders uh is is what what there's is with his absence so i think leadership on offense is pretty good and then d-line yeah, I don't know. Uh, Baron Scarrell is a good one. Uh, Ethan Burke has never really been called a leader, but he's never really done anything wrong either. So maybe he, he finds his voice. Defensive tackle, uh, Alfred Collins needs to step up. Uh, linebacker, I really like Anthony Hill emerging. Uh, very confident kid, but, you know, he's, he's, he's a studious guy. He's not just a five-star. He puts in the work to become a, a really good football player, not just a good college football player. He's going to be a good NFL player because of his athleticism, but also his mindset. So he'll start to find his voice. You need that in the, in the middle of the defense. Uh, Kendrick Blackshear, a mature player coming from Alabama, might bring some of that as well. Then in the secondary, you know, they lost a lot of leadership in Jaron Thompson, but I think Michael Taft fills that void. Uh, he is going to be the de facto leader in that group. And then at corner, Malik Muhammad, he's another one of those young guys that has those leadership intangibles that we've talked about. He'll start to find his voice throughout the out the spring, but 
it's going to be interesting in the coming weeks. Uh, one of Sark's main jobs is going to be to, you know, reestablish that leadership council because they did lose a lot of leadership, uh, but they do have a lot, a lot of potential leaders on the roster still. Eric, when you, you oh, give sorry, me a dose of David Binda for leader as well. Do you think these new guys from the portal are coming in like, I, I'm going to prove it in a contract year, or are they coming to win a championship or both? And, it, you know, it, where, where do those level, you know, because there's a lot of like Makuba feels like a potential leader. Yeah. Uh, feels like a potential leader, but are they, is that what they're thinking, or are they thinking, I'm going to get some high level instruction and some numbers and, you know, with, with Makuba, I should have mentioned Baron. Good. I, sometimes I forget how lucky they got with these guys coming back. So there's that Sentex group of leadership with Makuba, Taff, and uh, Jade Baron. All Sentex guys have all known each other for a very long time. Uh, I think they could emerge as maybe the, the de facto voice on the defense. But to your point, those guys are coming from championship cultures. You know, even Clemson fell in hard times. They still had good culture. Um, you know, you got the, the, the Alabama threesome. I think that, yeah, they're coming here for some personal reasons. Everything we do is for a personal gain. Uh, but also you can still buy into the team and the mission. Uh, and I think they are coming to win championships. So I think that is part of it. I think they realized that their championship window closed the second Nick Saban walked out the door and they're walking into a championship window at Texas that they really got established on their field right in front of them in Tuscaloosa in the second week. Uh, they started to see the possibilities there. I think that game was a huge selling point for those guys uh, for a portal window that we didn't know was going to get this crazy. Is there, is there something specific with Sark in terms of the culture that he's creating that, that are some key things that he looks for in leadership that would, you know, obviously fall out of the purview of what we would normally look for, like, you know, obviously being vocal and, and working hard. Well, I think he's transparent and he he's consistent with holding people accountable. Um, and that's, that's a huge part, <clears throat> you know, the whole thing, fair, but firm, you can be, you can be one of the guys when it's time to have fun, but you also have to, to know when the, to turn the light on. Um, and he has that, that good grasp of that team, when to be a little lighthearted and when to, when to hammer them. Uh, but really, it's transparency and, and consistency of holding people accountable. That's really the the foundation of of the culture. So, Justin, are there any are there any of our early enrollees, any any of the new recruits coming in that you can see, even in spite of the fact of their their young age, some inexperience, still kind of maybe growing as leaders as freshmen? No question. You know, to kind of piggyback off what Eric was saying on your previous question, I think Sark identifies the self motivated kids the super focused kids. Listen, if you're graduating early from high school to start your career in college, if you're going to skip the last six months of your, of really your freedom just to go to college, to go to work, because playing football in Texas is a job and it's a hard job. You, you, you really, you've got your, your, you're focused. You're aligned with yourself. Jordan Johnson rebel is going to be a leader in this program at some point. The, the IMG safety that, that that enrolled early from the 2023 cycle that or 2024 cycle rather that that kid is 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 the definition of a self starter self motivated understands time management you know he moved to, to Braden in Florida from from Fort Worth to get more of that focus to get more of that uh, keeping routine and, and time management down uh, I, I think there's a number of guys that that, that you can make a make a case for that that are really what about, what about Colin Simmons. Listen, uh, yeah, I mean, Colin Simmons is um, – You need Colin alpha. Is, yeah, he's his own – you know, Colin Simmons is is the alpha male. Cal, Calvin Simmons, you know, he's the, the son and everybody rotates around him. Um, and, and he's a guy that, man, he's just charismatic. And he's just he, – he, he's going to come in with an edge. 
you know, and I and I feel like Kelvin Banks and Cam Williams are going to probably lower those ears at some point in the spring. But 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 Cam, but but that's the beauty of Colin Simmons. That's the beauty of coming in with an Alex January, the guy that his his teammate on the defensive line at a need position coming in early. You know, eighty percent of this twenty twenty four class is on campus. That is ridiculous. It used to be a fad, Lucas. Now yeah. I think that's the standard at mm. Texas. I think Sark and listen, if you want to play quarterback for Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, you have to enroll early. I think right. that's a that, that's a that's a non-starter, and I love that Trey Owens really shined in the, in, in his Adidas All-American practice and combine and things of that sort of um, practices, and and he's coming in early. Me, to me, I think it, there's a number of kids that you can name. I'm a big Jordan Johnson Rebel guy. I, I think he's a kid that's going to be a leader, and no matter what he does, uh, Ty Anthony Smith doesn't say much, but works so hard. Once he once he snaps his chin strap, his coach told me he is a different kid. I mean, we could go down the list, but the fact I think that there so many are enrolling early. That's what Sark wants. He wants those potential leaders, and those are guys that are like, look. I don't need my spring semester in high school. I don't need to go to prom. I'm not running track anymore. Let's get this football business off to a good start. Great. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Before we go any further, we need to uh, give it up for our sponsor today, and that is Andre the Lawyer. Let me... um, let me tell you a little bit about what Andre is doing here. Andre the lawyer. So if you're injured, I want you to call Andre the lawyer. All right. His phone number is 214-444-8808. He's located in Dallas, Texas. Now, Andre helps injured longhorns, whether it's car wrecks, slips and falls, 18-wheeler accidents. Let me tell you, there's a lot of real estate between a slip and fall and an 18-wheeler accident. This guy's got range, Okay. If you're on the job, you get injured, any wrongful deaths, anything like that, I want you to call Andre, all right? He's on top of it. 214-444-8808. That's Andre the lawyer. Now, hold on. We've got you here, Justin. Let's talk a little bit about 2025. I know it it seems early. I mean, we're still in January with 2025, but I mean, who are we? And I hate to use this word, but priorities. What are some of the priorities that we're looking for in 2025? I love that you asked that, Lucas. It's a fantastic question. Thank we you. You did ask me to ask you that question before the show started. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to say everything. on air. Oh, right. Sorry. No, no. I'm sorry. just trying to be transparent with the people. Yeah. No, listen, we, we just we, we posted a couple stories in the last 24 hours about those priorities, the offensive and defensive priorities for, for 2025. You say it's a little bit early for us. It, it's right on time. Like right. we, we, you, you cover a cycle, but you really cover two cycles before that as well. That's just the new age of, of recruiting. And, and if you want to build those relationships and, and get to know those kids, parents and coaches, that's what you got to do for 2025. I mean, it starts at quarterback and they've got their guy, KJ Lacey, Sarah Land, Alabama quarterback, uh, high four star kid with an incredible release, really, really good feet, good touch, a lot of upside, got some Bryce Young to his game. Um, they've got that solidified. So what so what do you go on? Let's go look at running back. Jordan Davison. That kid is is probably numero uno on that board. He is fantastic. He's been at the top of that for a long time. You've also got Tiger Ridden, the, the DeSoto running back. You've got Harlem Berry committed to LSU, but that's not going to stop choice. He's still coming after him. You've got Ricky Stewart, who's going to be on campus this weekend. He's an SMU commit out of Chapel Hill in Tyler, Texas, and he's a, a high four-star with some big-time offers, and, and he's on offer watch. At wide receiver, it begins and ends with DeCorey and Moore. 
the one of the fastest kids in the country, probably the, the, the number one rated uh, pass catcher in the nation. He's committed to LSU, but I'd like to consider that a soft commit because I think DeCorian really likes Texas. I think he really likes Austin. I know his mother really likes Texas. She really likes Austin. And I think they like the idea of being a little bit closer to each other, not to mention who Eric had mentioned earlier, Colin Simmons is recruiting DeCorian Moore about as much as Chris Jackson and Steve Sarkeesian. And so to give you an idea of that, there's some leadership for you right there. Colin Simmons is trying to bring in some of his boys. It starts with DeCorian Moore. Marcus Harris, wide receiver out of Santa, Santa Ana, California, modern day. He's on that big board. Andrew Marsh, Katie Jordan's big time, a dynamic playmaker at receiver. Probably leaning A and M, but he's going to be, uh, you know, he's a guy that you watch. Kalik Lockett, I, I think uh, Kelshawn Johnson out of, out of Hitchcock. You're going to see a few more names, I think, pop up. But Texas kind of has their eyes on those guys. Tied in, they've already got one in. Emory Winston out of Calhoun, Georgia, the four-star pick. Texas over Ohio State. I think that was a pretty big get. They want another guy. So who, what do they do? They bring in a Nick Townsend for Junior Day out of Spring Decaney. They bring in a Kiati Armstrong out of Jasper. Uh, big, big, big guys. And remember that, you know, they only went with one in 2024 with Jordan Washington and they lost Jatavian Sanders and they're waiting on that development with Will Randall and Spencer Shannon. So I think that's where you go there. And an offensive line, it begins and ends with Michael Fasusi. That kid is gorgeous. Like if you were to draw, <laughs> I talked to the head, uh, the offensive coordinator at Louisville last week when, when Inside Texas went by to see him. And he said when Kyle Flood came through two years ago, and pointed at him in freshman workouts. He said, before he even knew his name, Kyle Flood told him, that's what an NFL offensive tackle looks like. And by God, he's getting he's getting there. Six five, about three bills. He's taken a lot of trips. He's been to Austin a ton of times. It's going to come down to Texas, Oklahoma, Texas A&M. Ty Haywood from Denton Ryan is a guy you need to know. Um, Byron Washington, the largest human I've seen since Leonard Davis. Uh, he's going to be in the mix as well. And that's on the offensive side. Uh, on the defensive side, uh, I, I could ramble through a lot of those guys, but but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to hit some, some really important ones early on. Uh, let's talk about defensive line and edge. Cameron Morgan, that's where it starts. 6'5", about 225, 230. He's got the frame. He's going to grow into one of those big-time guys. He's going to be on campus this weekend. I think that's big because he's got – 30-something offers, and, and he's wide open, guys. There, there's not one school standing out with him right now. Zion Williams, ginormous defensive tackle out of Lufkin, Texas, home of Des Bryant, home of Kiki Kuti, home of Jaron Thompson, and home of Jalen Polk. Uh, that place just churns out, kids. And Zion's next, 6'5", 310, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, all the big schools in the mix. Riley Pettijohn at linebacker. Listen, if they get Pettijohn, that's a successful linebacker haul, in my opinion, for 2025. 6'3", about 200 pounds out of McKinney. He's got some closeness there with the new, newly tra uh, newly flipped Xavier Fulsain, uh, the, the five-star safety out of McKinney that just joined in the 2024 cycle. He's on campus already as well. Um, then, then you look at the secondary. Kobe Sellers out of Shadow Creek, the corner. Uh, Dorian Brew out of, out of Conroe, likely Ohio State. Devin Sanchez out of North Shore. Likely Ohio State, but, you know, Texas is not going to give up there. And then at safety, I think we're going to see some more guys pop up. I think we're, I think some of those, the safety position hasn't necessarily cleared out as much. Jonah Williams is a guy that plays both. He plays safety in high school. He's projecting at linebacker at the next level, a big five-star out of Galveston ball. I personally think he's probably going to play Major League Baseball. His older brother was a, a prospect with the Texas Rangers and the Philadelphia Phillies, Nick Williams. He is a left-hander with tons and tons of upside. And so if I could 
I wanted to make sure I didn't talk too much, but I wanted to make sure I hit all the, t- the, the strong points. Those are your recruiting priorities for 2025. And if I missed one name or a number of names, I promise you, I will make it up to you. Is, I'm, is Ian I'm, still with us? Is Ian still with us? Ian's still with us. Uh, I do think you listed every high school student in America during that priority list, which is pretty impressive. I mean, in I'm three gonna be minutes? Yeah. It's been really good. It was really, really good. It just really quickly on our on our line. We're talking the big guys right here, right? Okay. Have you noticed any kind of change in terms of how those players are being recruited, especially when there's an innate generally there's a long development curve with these guys, right? Is there, is there anything that we're, we're selling? Are we, are we pitching this a little bit differently with NIL with flood there? Because obviously we had some, we had an amazing freshman starter come in, but, but that particular class is an anomaly just starting pretty early and rising through. So these young guys coming in, what have you noticed anything different in the pitch? A little bit. Yeah. The 2022 guys were sold on. We need guys to come in and play immediately. And they did. Kelvin Banks obviously started at left tackle as a true freshman. The 2023 guys were more of, okay, we've kind of got some of our future starters, but we need developmental guys. We need guys that are going to be ready in two years to add depth for when those guys head off to the NFL, you guys can just slide in your, your Connor Stroh types, your, your your Trevor Goosby, who I think is going to be a future star at Texas on the offensive line. Um, And then with 2024s, if you'll notice, I think they cherry picked a little bit more there. Uh, The fact that they got Brandon Baker was big because at the beginning of that recruitment, I wasn't necessarily thinking Texas was going to get this kid kind of similar to Neto Umiazulu during the, the, the first beginning of his recruitment from the 2022 cycle. Texas was not his top school early on, but Kyle Flood, Sark, the modern day pipeline, they kind of, they kind of, uh, they wore him down enough to, to, to show him that, Hey, this is, this is the spot to go. So I think with the, the sale with 2025s is going to be like, it's going to be similar to, listen, we're about to lose a lot of guys. Kelvin right. Banks is going to be gone. You know, DJ Campbell is going into, into that big junior year where he could be something, you know, he could be something that, that they talk about with drafts. You're returning a Jake Majors. You're returning a Cole Hudson, returning a Hayden Connor. And those guys eventually are going to be gone. So I think it's the development with 2023 and 24. And then 25s, the selling point is we're about to lose these guys, these guys that we've created, these large humans that we've turned into NFL prospects are going on to greener pastures. And as Eric likes to say all the time, nothing sells recruiting like the NFL draft. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, look, I, I do want to check on young Ian, uh, make sure oh, he's still away. Oh, there he is. How, how you doing, buddy? So obviously I, I did tease a little bit at the top of the show, a controversial topic. That topic is, and I know this is something that the fans want to know. How are babies made? <laughs> I can't oh, wait, picture, I, man, I cannot picture Ian making babies. Oh my lord! <laughs> okay, now that we've now that, that we put in, that it happened in the lab, right? It, this it happened in the lab. It had we've to be. put that image into the viewers' minds. Uh, now let's talk wide receivers. This is the controversial <laughs> question: Who who's better, Ian? Last year's wide receiving core or this incoming group coming in? I mean, I think you could make a case for both. I'm just curious where you land on that. It's possible that it's the incoming class. Uh, which should not be the case when you have a tight end that gets drafted in first, second, maybe third round in Jatavian Sanders. And I Mitchell and Xavier Worthy will probably both be gone before the second round is over, maybe much earlier. Um, so it doesn't really seem like you should be able to just plug in and be better, um, especially when 
like Ohio State has done that a couple times, but then it turns out they've been stack, stacking up five stars behind them, and Texas hasn't done that. The transfer portal is a game changer. Um, I just got a text across the top of my screen about Eric making another crack about me. Um, so uh, here's, here's the deal with the new guys. The new guys all fit the scheme a little better than the last group did. Yeah. Like if you look at the the Adonis ideal Sarkeesian offense, the 2020 Alabama, the, everybody ran under 11 second, 100 meter times. Um, they're actually mostly first round guys and uh, Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, who won the Heisman, and uh, uh, John Mechie, who was like the big the big guy, the chain mover at like 5'11", 195 or something like that. <laughs> right. um, that's, that's what this new class looks more like. Everyone is fast. Everyone can fly. Um, Golden is a proven down the field guy with a lot of upside. He's only played two years in college football. Isaiah Bond was one of, I mean, he was Alabama's leading receiver last year. Jermaine Burton had bigger numbers, but Bond was very explosive, made a lot of big plays. Turn on the SEC championship game, you see a lot of Isaiah Bond. Uh, so they have like all these guys that are proven, they, they fit the scheme well, and they also all are all like on the, on the up curve of their developments. Well, they're entering like their third, fourth season of college football, and uh, they're going to get a lot better with a summer to work in this offense with Chris Jackson and then with Quinn Ewers and, and to a lesser extent, hopefully Arch Manning. So uh, right, right now it's hard to say that they'd be better, but it, it's extremely possible. That's what I would say. I know Eric, you had some thoughts, some thoughts on this. That was a, wow. Some thoughts on this. Yeah. Some thoughts on this. Um, well, I think the aggregate in aggregate, this group is better than the last group. I, I think it's faster and I think they have better ball skills overall. Now, if you put them all in a group together, Adonai Mitchell has the best ball skills. That's not even close, but on top, but then you go with the next three are probably uh, the guys that are going to be in here next year. You know, we didn't mention John cook. He's a very natural receiver with good speed. Um, and so, you know, Jordan Whittington, if you put the ball on him, he's going to catch it. He didn't make a whole lot of uh, catches away from his body. I know the, the, the one we're all going to remember was away from his body at, uh, in the end of the Sugar Bowl. Uh, but there was a lot of opportunities he missed that were throws like that. This group is going to be a lot better in the air. This group's going to be a lot better adjusting to the ball. It's going to, it's going to be more reliable uh, receivers, I believe. And, and like Ian said, they're all on the, on the up curve. And then at the same time, the, the quarterback's on the up curve as well. Golden's numbers dipped this last year because he didn't have a good passing quarterback. Bond would have been more explosive in a, in a different offense. Uh, you know, Milrow's great down the field, uh, but at least something to be desired in the intermediate game where Bond is one broken tackle away from really breaking one. Uh, and then John Say Cook is, you know, he's just a supernatural, super savvy guy. All three of these guys can play all three positions. Maybe they don't have that Vitruvian man uh, boundary tall receiver, uh, but these guys can work from there for differing reasons. Uh, so give me this group. I know it's a little bit crazy to say, as, as Ian mentioned, uh, given the, the pedigree of the group that just left. Uh, but I like this group on the upside. And then, you know, throw in Nye Black, who that's, that's going to uh, that's going to decrease the drop off uh, from Jatavian to, to the tight end as, as a receiver. And I'm already huge on a uh, big fan of Gunnar Helm. So actually give me this group. And I feel I feel like it's pretty obvious. Offensive line is going to be better. It's going to help the passing attack. Quinn, you're going to take the next step in the drop pack passing game. This, this group of wide receivers are going to put up much better numbers than the last group. Any thoughts on that, Justin? No, I actually agree with both, which is rare. Um, I, I do think this <laughs> year's I do I do think this year's group is is 
there's just so much speed, like Ian said, man. You know, you know, and and, and that's a tall task to replace eighty percent of your freaking production oh, yeah. in that room. Xavier Worthy, NFL, Adnan Mitchell, NFL, Jordan Winnington, potentially. It that's tough, and the leadership as well. But my God, these kids are fast. I mean, you, you're talking about Bond. You're talking about Golden. You're talking about Bolden. Like in space, they are hell to catch. And I think that's what. Sark likes to do get these guys the ball in space and kind of let them do their job, let them do their work. And so I, it's that's that's a bold thing to claim to say that the, this group could be better. But the truth is they fit a little bit better. And I think they're more interchangeable, whereas it was a short bench last year. You know, Sark didn't like playing a lot of guys outside of those three. Now I think you're going to have a guy six, potentially seven guys in the mix going to keep them healthy it's going to keep them focused and it's also going to keep them uh the reps down a little bit which could keep them more sharp long term i'll take this next year's group now ian justin brings up a good point about the rotation um sark traditionally doesn't really do that all that much is this is this the type of thing where now that he's got these horses in the stable you may see that a little bit more or are we worried uh, worried isn't the right word or but do we think that you know sark is going to stick with his his top three, his top four, and and run with those guys? I think you more want to stick with your top guys. Um, for one, you want to have the NFL sell, and that's a little easier if they're all putting up a 1,000 yards. Um, I think it's hard to rotate a lot at wide receiver. I think in 2018 or 2019, when Alabama had like a huge room of future stars, they, it was like all the guys we just mentioned, plus like Henry Ruggs and maybe another guy I'm forgetting. Jerry Judy. Yeah, Jerry Judy. So they did rotate more there. But I think in general, you actually want a much tighter rotation at receiver because the passing game is so timing intensive with the quarterback. And you want like the quarterback releasing the ball at just the right spot in his drop and throwing to a spot on the field where he knows that particular receiver is going to end up based on the routes that they've thrown a million times in practice. So I usually in Texas's case, I feel like the years when they rotate a lot, it's either because they don't have a guy or it's because like maybe they're afraid of the transfer portal and they're still trying to work out which of the young guys is best. So, I, I mean, I don't know. It's possible that, that Sark could put that together because they can run the ball this year. Um, they could limit the route tree for some of these guys and still have success by just running the ball. They can get into two tight ends now um, right. and, and just create simple packages to get guys on the field, make it, make, get them, keep them happy. But um in general, I, I think you want, you know, at least two guys that you have on the field anytime it's winning time, for instance. Yeah, but they should blow they should blow people out and get more people on the field. That's something Texas well, has not done enough of. Yeah. So that's another big factor, especially now that everybody's a burner, right? They could be lining up shots and be up 28-0 at the end of the first quarter if, if teams don't have the horses to run with them. So good point. That's what I was hoping with John Tate Cook this last season that they would get enough of a lead to where he could get in and get a few more reps. That's a good. Yeah, point. We didn't see that. Not enough separation. That, that story we're going to have to, that'll be fun to track on inside Texas right. over at spring ball, because a lot of it is, is dependent on the player too. How much do they develop? Uh, but you know, you know what Ryan Wingo is going to want to play a lot, but if Matthew yep. Golden or Bond leave early, maybe both of them leave early, then he's next in line to get whatever production they just had. So, I mean, it's, you know, maybe it's, it's tough to wait a year, but you've got to worry. You've, they've got to be more, uh, they've got to be more concerned about what they look like in year three rather than year one. Well, it's like it's like what I said about Ohio State a minute ago. 
It's like they'd send like three guys to the NFL and it would be like, well, so long Buckeyes. Yeah. It's your offense. And then it's like, okay, who's next in line? Marvin Harrison Jr. <laughs> right. Yeah, they yeah. had Jameson Williams transfer out. And then, yeah, yeah, James Williams has transferred out. And yeah, yeah. and they still had incredible four or five NFL guys on the roster. So, yeah, it's possible. Well, this is great. Thank you guys so much for checking in with us today. All of this information uh, and a lot more is going to be available on InsideTexas.com. We like to do these YouTube shows to give you a little bit of a preview and also let you know what's going on in a timely manner. But we have a special running right now. It's $1. Let us earn your business. Give us $1 for a month. And we will show you what kind of depth and insight we're giving you there at Inside Texas. The remainder of the cost is going to be covered by Ian for that one month. So you only owe a dollar and the difference is going to be paid by Ian. So that's a really nice, generous thing he's doing now that he's producing a lot of children. We thank you so much. What was that, Ian? Sorry. It's free labor. They're all they're all pumping out clickbait articles and uh, that's that'll that'll cover it. Are you are you saying that you're. Are your children ghostwriting for you? Is that is that what you just admitted? That explains all the commas. Oh yeah, yeah. there's a lot of commas. <laughs> we are uh, verbose people, the boys. Team Team Oxford comma here. Sorry. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. We have done, uh, frankly, too much damage. So we will see you later. Thank you so much, and hook them.